former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast. You're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast with your host, Mark Madison. This episode's guest is referee Jimmy Corderas. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer. And now here's your host, Mark Madison. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Madison, and I am joined and have the pleasure of having with me uh, former WWE referee, Mr. Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, thank you again for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on, Mark. Fantastic. Uh, now, one of the things that, that becomes more apparent, I guess, with more this generation and the transition towards it, is kayfabe and often being something that's, in speaking of a lot of talent, it's something that's treasured, it's crucial to maintain. Um, do you think that maintaining the mystery behind some of the hidden uh, or withheld realities is more, more important today than ever? of the business and how the business has changed over the years and obviously one of the biggest changes is the advent of social media and how information about the business and about how it works you know a little bit of the backstage stuff and all that has filtered into the mainstream and people can access that now um what i think hasn't changed is um there is still some mystery around it because uh it's kind of like it's kind of i like to compare it to to magicians where you might have an idea how it's done you may think you know how something is done an illusion is done but you really don't and that drives you crazy you know what i mean it's like how did he do that i I think he did it this way but man would i love to know how he really did that and and some of that is still uh still prevalent in professional wrestling today um unfortunately some of the secrets have been let out but if there is something out there that uh i see then i go and people are like wow i think that was let's say the illusion of being real you know i know professional wrestling is scripted and i know it's it's sports entertainment quote unquote but that looked real and when you can still do that at times it it, it still shows that they haven't completely lost that magic does that make sense? No, no, it, 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 it does. Um, I just, I always find that it's such a challenge because you're trying to, I think just as you put it, you're trying to look for where that uh, hidden door is, much like the, the magician com- analogy that you made, right? Where is that trick coming out? And I think if you keep those secrets closer to the vest, it keeps people still guessing, and it's a good thing. Yeah, and like, for example, like the, the first time they did uh, Brock Lesnar and Big Show did the uh, superplex off the ropes and the ring imploded. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened in Orlando several years ago. You know, to this day, I still get asked about it. Oh, how'd they do that? How'd they do that? I said, well, my, my answer is always, well, uh, go to Las Vegas, ask Chris Angel how he floats above the Lexor Hotel. If he tells you how that was done, I will tell you how the ring imploded. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to keep some secrets still, you know what I mean? Well, it's it's so crucial, right? The, the, those that feel that they know everything don't know everything and i think that's um that that ongoing struggle <laughs> that, that's yeah, the and, it's, and it's funny because you know uh, if anybody has followed me on social media they know that i get into little little debates with with certain people and who think they have a, a better grasp than they actually do now i don't profess to know everything although sometimes it may come across that way i don't know everything about the wrestling business but i have a different 
everybody else in my 30 plus years experience in wrestling gives me that different perspective. Uh, I may not like everything I see on TV, but I look at it from a standpoint because coming from that industry, I try to understand why it was done as opposed to just automatically saying, oh, that was crap. Okay, I may not have liked that. I may not have liked how that was presented on television, but let me think, why would they do something like that? Uh, if this is the reasoning why, maybe it does make sense. You know what I mean? Yep, definitely. Often today, the, the referee plays a different role uh, than they might have in the past. Um, what do you th- think maybe separates the quality of match calling maybe between officials and the role they play as far as the storyline as being more i've just read different um portions of it where you know you certain referees might have a certain role in the match whereas some might just be just the person that's there to pin three from a refereeing standpoint do you see a difference or i think it scenario is different depending on the match. Uh, For the most part, and I think most of the time, if not like the vast majority of the time, the referee is there to help the talent tell their story. uh, The referee is kind of like the supporting actor in a a movie or a TV show or a play or whatever you want to call it. Uh, He's there to help the the main characters tell their story. Uh, He's there to be kind of invisible and only be visible when needed. Unless, of course, the referee is playing a role, whether there's a an angle involved or he's involved in the finish in some form or fashion or he needs to be somewhere positioning-wise that calls for him to be in a specific place, you know, ref bumps, of course, included. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, <clears throat> if it, outside of that, I don't think the referee should be a focal point, mm-hmm. but should not be totally oblivious to what's going on. I I kind of, again, like refereeing as well has evolved along with wrestling styles. I think the style of refereeing has evolved too. I look more towards uh, wrestling as much as it's uh, evolved as far as uh, stylistically with a lot of um, aerial maneuvers and really interesting offensive maneuvers, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. It also has a lot of... uh, Roots going into MMA, they're starting to implement a lot more MMA, whether it's submission type holds or that kind of stuff. Like you look at Roman Reigns and the Superman punch, that comes from MMA, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So I think the same applies with the referees because if you look at guys like a uh, Herb Dean or a Big John McCarthy or, or any of the top MMA officials, they're not no other than the obvious size thing with Big John. You don't really notice them, but they're always there. They're always paying attention. They're always looking like they're doing their job throughout the entire match without getting in the way until they need to be. And that's how I think professional wrestling referees in this day and age should approach it as well. Now, when considering you know how they should approach it um, and their roles of referees, Often, uh, not often well, per se, but um, there have been instances a Danny Davis, a Bill Alfonso, a Teddy Long transitioned from refereeing uh, and took on different roles. Did you yourself maybe have any desire to play another on-screen type presence? Did you feel that that, that opportunity might have presented itself? Maybe, maybe not. I think everybody in the back of the mind would like, in the back of their mind, would like to do something like that. You know, to have a a little bit of a more role where they get to for lack of a better term, get their 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> mine came at the expense of uh, the referee strike angle of 1999, which came about by accident. But other than that, I didn't really because I always thought, and uh, rightly or wrongly, I always thought that if you, 
as a referee, get pigeonholed into an area where you're a heel ref or, you know, transition into something more than just being a straight official. That limits your, your longevity. Because if you're a referee, you can be a referee as long as you're physically able to or as long as they want you there. If you start getting into different roles and they no longer need you in that role, it's not as easy for them to transition you back into the referee role, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I, for longevity purposes, I always thought, yeah, it's better that I don't maybe become a character, so to speak. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, you've been part of a major promotion, but you've also been engaged in, and work with smaller and more independent promotions. Um, this seems to be like a, a running argument um, between the major promotions and the independent promotions. Last year, uh, scuttlebutt more on the internet between Rip Rogers and the criticism on independent wrestling and some of the independent styles. Um, my question to you is, is some of the criticism that's happened for towards independent wrestlers been more justified, or do you think that there's a rationale for why they maybe have to compete in a very particular way, um, whereas the WWE style or TNA or whomever it might be um, has to really control how they perform their moves? It's, it's a weird argument because both sides have valid points. You know, the, the old-timers or the old-school uh, always complain about, uh, you know, the next generation taking it too far. And this has been an argument that's been going on for, for decades. This isn't anything new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it's new. It fe- feels new because it's more prominent. And you have you have people like Rich, Rip Rogers out on Twitter, you know, expressing his mind. So n- now it's a little more prevalent. Like, uh, I always... Uh, refer back to um, uh, wrestling journalist Dave Meltzer when he says, you know, uh, stuff like, uh, well, Lou Fez complained about Harley Race's style. And we look back at Harley Race and go, man, is that guy old school. Yeah. And then Harley Race was like uh, not a fan of Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat, thinking that they were giving up too much. Yeah. And we look back at those matches and go, what classics they were. Mm-hmm. You know, and then see, every generation past complains about every generation next. And it's going to be a continuing thing. Uh, the, the validity in what Rick Rogers says is, uh, yes, the, the business does have to evolve. It does change, uh, and it will constantly do that. The problem I have with it is they're trying to evolve it too fast. Mm. They're trying to change the style too fast. Um, you know, it, or as, as the Iron Sheik used to say back in the day, they're trying to go from the A to the Z and leaving out all the letters in between. In order for an, uh, a more casual audience, like diehard wrestling fans, if you give them something that they like, uh, I'll give you an example. The Young Bucks, uh, mm-hmm. the Bullet Club, all that stuff is really cool right now. And it's resonating with that audience. But the, the, the challenge would be for them, and, you know, great success to them. And all the, I, I wish them all the success in the world. They're really good guys. Uh, you know, I know Matt and Nick, and they're really good dudes, and they're smart. They know how to market their, their brand. The challenge for them would be, and they're comfortable making a, a very good living right now outside of the WWE, which is you know, very difficult to do and some are doing it. The challenge for them is if they want to expand that brand, will that style resonate with a more casual audience who's not familiar with that? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and and they may look at it as too over the top. You know, it, it, you have to, with the, the strength is playing to your audience. And if, uh, if you're in front of an audience that wants to see uh, 17 super kicks and a Meltzer driver and stuff like that, you do that. And it's great. If, you want, you want, if you're in front of an audience that wants to see somebody do uh, I don't know what the PG parameters are. You I mean, okay? Uh, somebody <laughs> doing a penis plex. Okay. 
And a Joey yeah. Ryan? Okay. If that's what the audience wants, and if the, if you're getting over with that and you're able to get bookings and make a living off that, hell, why not? Um, now, if you're going to move to somewhere like the WWE, they're more structured in their style. They want to, they're more storytelling oriented. Not that uh, other promotions aren't. Because, uh, you know, the big knock against New Japan, from, from what I hear from some people, is that not enough selling, not enough storytelling, not enough psychology. But if anybody who's watched any of their big shows recently, uh, that's far from the truth. Right. It may, be, it may be done in a different way, in a different style, but it's still done very well. And I enjoy their product very much, but it's different. So back to your original point, there's, there's an argument to be made on both sides, but the business does evolve. It will evolve. And the bottom line is, my comparison, I always compare it to the wheel. We went from stone wheels to rubber, to vulcanized rubber. They improve it. They make it run flat. They, you know, tread life has improved tremendously, but the shape of the wheel is always round. Right. And I think that uh, the, the guys who are getting it right right now are NXT because they're the perfect blend of old school evolving with the new school without going uh, full bore over the top from the A to the Z. Yeah, I think those that, from what I've heard as far as and, and getting to that to, to Young Buck's point is that while the casual fan may not find it as storytelling, to those that are proponents and support it, believe that it is storytelling, um, but it's just watching a movie in fast forward, I guess. Um, you know, you could still see the actions and know that there's a story happening. Um, you might not just understand why it's being pulled the way it is. So it's almost like trying, trying to read a really confusing novel at times. <laughs> well, uh, no, see, that, see, that's, again, a very valid point. I mean, like, there, there's, and, and everybody's taste is different. Like I said, I'm a fan of professional wrestling. I watch as much as I can anyways, time permitting. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously with my work uh, with Aftermath, it's predominantly WWE, but I do watch other other uh, promotions as much as I can. I do watch, you know, uh, Impact and uh, ROH when I can, and of course New Japan, and I've even caught a little bit of uh, of the Lucha Libre from, from Mexico, which, uh, not my favorite style, mm-hmm. but, I can, but I can watch it and appreciate it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it, I, I don't hate it. It just, I understand it's a different style and I can appreciate the performance aspect of it. That's what's getting lost on a lot of people nowadays is that if it's not what they want or not what they like, it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's not bad. It's just different. Different is not always bad. Different is just different. Yep. You know, going back to the, uh, the Young Bucks thing, again, it's a testament to their uh, business sense that they really understand their audience. And, and that's the main thing, is, is wrestlers need to understand their audience. Cody Rhodes right now is understanding how to resonate with an audience. Um, others are learning. Uh, you look at a guy like Sammy Callahan, who's getting it too as well. The guy you got to watch out for, I think, big things from, because I, I got to uh, see him live and in person not too long ago, Matt Riddle. You know, got to watch him, got to got to actually referee one of his matches against Speedball Mike Bailey, another underrated talent. But Matt... For a guy with the limited experience of professional wrestling, gets it. And he's got the, uh, that uh, indescribable if factor. Now he just has to figure out how to tap into a broader audience, if you know what I mean. Right. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 
Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Wrestling in Canada um, seems to have a lot of solid, notable talent, whether it was the Hearts, the Vachans, the Rougeaus, um, even to present day and guys that are in really prominent um, promotions. What would you say has been, you know, what Canada can attribute some of that quality of talent um, being? And, and, and I've heard, like everything else, there's ebbs and flows, but, uh, you know, the, the market for what's come out has been as successful, and I, I don't know if it's because they're so tied to it, um, has been attributed to the Canadian wrestler's success. I wish I could put my finger on it, but it's, it's, it, I guess it's similar to why Canadians are so proficient at hockey. They just, they gravitated to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, that, that is easily digestible, but also from, from an athletic standpoint, I guess for some reason, uh, I, I really don't know. I, if I had a good answer for that, I would give it to you, but it's amazing because you, you look at the, the quality of talent from the past, uh, you know, former world champions like Ripper Billy Watson and Gene Kaniski. Uh, you go back to the Tolis brothers in Hamilton, and Hamilton was a real hotbed of producing professional wrestlers for a while. You know, Calgary, of course, with the Hearts, and, and it goes far beyond the Hearts in Calgary because you you have some some great talents like Archie the Stomper Golding and and people like that coming out of Calgary, Lance Storm. How can you forget Lance Storm? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then in, in Quebec, Quebec has a rich history of, of professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, if you ever get the chance to speak to uh, Quebec wrestling historian Pat Laprade to tell you some amazing things, you know, and I had the pleasure of working and, and meeting a lot of those legends. But I wish I had, a, like, the secret formula to why Canada has produced so many quality talents. And and I, I, I don't know what it is. I just proud that it to be part of a, a group of Canadians that, that were successful, not, not not for me in a wrestling capacity, but you know what I mean? It's it's kind of cool that I got to associate myself and, and become friends with a lot of those guys. Okay. Um, so now <laughs> you've seen a, a, a couple of uh, talented guys out of Winnipeg really kind of make an impact this past month with a pretty notable match, um, but not them withstanding. Who would you say could be the next crop if there's anybody uh, you've been a part of uh, wrestling and prominent young uh, budding promotions that are um, becoming quite successful such such as smash uh, wrestling who would you say if there is a canadian that i know sometimes it takes three years to maybe get adjusted get a good vibe on you know knowing who you are what you're doing your style um who would you say fans maybe should look at keep an eye out on you mentioned Matt Riddle but he's not Canadian so we're we're right. trying to keep it local uh, <laughs> keeping it local yeah. you know I could speak for um, this area at least anyways um, you know uh, especially you know doing some work with Smash Wrestling and helping them out a little bit um Guys, you got to look for uh, the, the the one that shocked me that hasn't is is Tyson Dukes. I mean, like for one, I, I don't know why he is not part of a major pro- 
motion right now. That being said, looking at some of the younger guys, I'm looking at a guy like Brett Banks, who is just has all the physical tools and is now understanding that there's more to getting over, quote-unquote, than just having good matches and, and being good in the ring. You have to have a character that resonates with the audience and the audience can connect with. It's amazing how he is connected with the audience right, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tarek is another one. Man, there's so, so many good guys. Uh, a guy for his size, John Greed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen him around lately, but uh, uh, man, is he good. There's a... Uh, again, you look at the independent talent around Ontario, especially around Ontario in our area, it is actually quite stacked. There's another kid, he's not technically Canadian, but I will call him technically Canadian because he's from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Kevin Bennett. Yeah. Another guy who, for the time he's uh, he's been in, the, in wrestling, has picked it up really well. And again, another guy who understands the connecting with the audience being uh, paramount and getting yourself over, and he gets it. Uh, those are just a couple of guys, but uh, there's, uh, I could, if, if I start rattling my brain, I could think of at least a half dozen more. Yeah. Um, it's funny, in talking to you and having the same kind of conversation with um, Sebastian Suave and Tyson Dukes, they both were easy to, to mention um, Brent Banks and, and uh, Tarek as both being guys that have paid their dues and are prominent because they put the time in and it's not a quick fix with anybody that it comes and being the next crop of because now they've just they've put everything together. So it does take time. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5 $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Now, a number of notable names have transitioned from different promotions and now made the WWE their home. Uh, fans are either critical uh, with how they're used or elated when they're there. Uh, what are your feelings about, um, we're not going to speculate on names, but those that, you know, once when AJ Styles walked through that curtain, um, good, bad, whatever, Fans were excited, um, but if things weren't in a direction where they were happy about, then they're not so much. What's your vibe or what's your feelings on anybody that does move to maybe the, the big one or two from wherever they are? Right. Um, it's, it, again, every case and every individual case is different. You, you mentioned AJ Styles. Um, for me, uh, it's called strategic debuting. It's, uh, I don't know if I've, I can credit myself for making up that term, but I like to call it strategic <laughs> debuting. You take a guy like AJ Styles, you debut him at the Royal Rumble in front of that audience who knows who he is, and you know they're going to lose their minds when he comes out. So that's the perfect place to debut AJ Styles. Now, casual fans who may have heard of him but have not maybe seen him or, or anything see that and hear that, 
And then they start automatically thinking, oh, this guy's a big deal. Maybe I should pay attention to him. And then after that, it's up to AJ to get himself over, which he absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Because AJ is one of the best in the world right now, if not the best overall performer in the world. Um, others, you know, I know a lot of people use the crutch of booking. His bo- so-and-so's booking has been horrible or creative has been killing this guy. I, I come from the William Regal school where if you're given lemons, you make lemonade. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what creative gives you, it's up to you whether you get 30 seconds or 30 minutes to get yourself over mm-hmm. and do something. And sometimes the WWE is a little restrictive with talent. At the same time, um, you got to take chances. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you know, you may fall flat on your face, but if you don't and you and you knock it out of the park, man, you know, the, you know, all of a sudden people start looking at you a little different. And they start trusting you a little bit more to have a little more liberty and, and not have to, uh, as, as they say, stick to the script and give you a little more creative liberties. You know, you see the top guys have that. Guys like Jericho and, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, like I said, each case is different. You look at the uh, Gallows and Anderson. Didn't get over like we thought they would be coming from uh, New Japan. And that goes to another argument where the North American audience that uh, appreciates New Japan or watches New Japan regularly is a very small niche audience, comparatively speaking to the WWE grand audience. Right. So it's harder for the... See, people thought automatically they walk in, they're over. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. In the case of an AJ Styles, the case of uh, uh, others, um, it may appear that way only because, um, again, that hardcore audience will react in kind. But at the end of the day, uh, they truly are the minority, and you have to—they have to resonate that uh, the talents like the uh, the Shinsuke Nakamura's and the and the Kevin Owens and the Sami Zayn's have to get over with that casual audience, and they're doing it at a slower pace. AJ was just ahead of the curve. You mentioned Shinsuke Nakamura. Do you think that, uh, like himself or Hideo Tami, they're they may be, uh, I'm, you could say yes, no, or whatever to it. Do you think language tends to, I'm just calling a spade a spade, but if it's a restriction on them, try to convey their character. Although uh, Shinsuke has like a ton of charisma, and unfortunately Hideo's had a ton of injuries, but do you think that those are factors that slow down the the process of getting over? I hate to say it, but yes, absolutely it is. When, when you are a complete, not just WWE superstar, any wrestler, in order to get over with the entire audience, you have to be able to communicate your character, not just visually, but also vocally. And if, you, if, if language is a barrier, it is much more difficult for that individual to connect with an audience that views him as a person who can't communicate well in English. Like here in North America, I hate to say it, but you got to... You got to have a better command of the English language for to, to get that broader audience to connect with. Right. And so, I think that's the biggest detriment to Shinsuke Nakamura right now because, as you said, he's got a ton of charisma. He just oozes charisma, and you know we, you can talk about his in-ring work all day long. But at the end of the day, you look at every major superstar in the past that may not have had the in-ring talent of a Shinsuke Nakamura, but they were able to communicate and get over. Look at the Ultimate Warrior. Look at Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Great talkers with limited abilities in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at a Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is actually technically one of the most sound wrestlers out there, but found his groove, uh, groove uh, vocally and through his 
tea and chicken. When he stopped being the ringmaster and the technician, he got over. So I think it's a fallacy to say that you have to be a great skilled technician in the ring to get over. Yes, it helps, but it's not the only factor. You have to be able to communicate. Uh, you've been in the ring, standing between Edge and The Undertaker. Uh, what One of those most prominent matches for the championship. Um, now, an ongoing rumor that tends to circulate is the return again of The Undertaker. Um, many appear divided on to whether or not he should compete based on his age um, and you know his restrictions because of physically the, the body breaks down. At this stage in your career, what are your hopes for The Undertaker moving forward? Uh, for me, uh, because I'm a big Undertaker guy, I've said that, it's no secret. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's the man. You know, when, they, when you hear um, all those network specials and they're talking about The Undertaker and they say hands down the most respected guy in the locker room that's ever walked into a WWE locker room. Uh, they're not kidding. It's not a tagline. It's not It's not a gimmick or anything like that. That is the absolute truth. Um, what I'd like to see from The Undertaker, because of last year's WrestleMania, you know, he left the hat, the coat, and the gloves in the ring, which kind of led many to believe that that was it, and he was calling it a career. I, I, I honestly can see, knowing how... How, how, how proud he is of his work maybe coming back for one more match almost to I hate to put it this way redeem himself for last year's match mm-hmm. which uh, maybe he wasn't quite ready for because he did you know prior to that match he, uh, several months prior to that he did have hip surgery yeah but maybe he wasn't quite ready maybe he thought he was because sometimes you you know your mind tells you you are but your body tells you otherwise right. um, but I could see him coming back for one last match and uh, maybe at Mania this year, and, and go out the way he would prefer to go out as opposed to last year's match. Um, before we let you go, we have a, a one last question. Then if you're up for it, we have a bit of a game. So um, is, it, was there anything you'd like to share, promote, or make fans aware of as it pertains to Jimmy Corderas? Oh, man. Um, obviously, uh, I would like to promote Aftermath, which airs on Sports Day 360 here in Canada, um, 7.30 Tuesday nights. Um, like I said, on Sportsnet 360, we're, we're pretty much the lead-in into SmackDown Live here in Canada. Unfortunately, it's only available in Canada, so sorry about that if you're listening from anywhere else. Other than that, we've got some other things in the works. Uh, we may have some news soon about Aftermath. We're looking at, uh, let's just say, expanding the brand. So well, hopefully uh, that gets up and running soon, and I'll be able to uh, fill in your listeners when that happens, mm-hmm. if, if and when that happens. And... Um, yeah, other than that, I have a book that I wrote a few years ago called uh, The Three Count, My Life and Stripes as a WWE Referee. And, uh, you know, it's still available if anybody wants to check it out. Um, and who knows, maybe another one's on the way. <laughs> and speaking of Aftermath, now to go back, how can I not mention uh, that Anthony Corelli, formerly known as Santino Morella, is also on the show along with Nug Nargang. And we may have a new edition next week, so... We'll just leave it at that. Interesting, interesting. Very exciting. Uh, for listeners, I do have a copy of Three Count, a fantastic book. Um, the foreword was written by Edge, Adam Copeland. Wonderful anecdotes, incredible stories. Um, Jimmy has seen it, seen it all, been through it all. Um, he's been friends with, uh, sadly, those that have left us. And um, without passing judgment on anybody, he shares you know, how he feels about them and the morning that he went through was that he lost his friends, and that is the beginning and end of it. 
And that's where I'm going to leave that. So, um, and I thank you for writing that, Jimmy. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, one last, so we do want to try a little game here. Uh, now, I have the fortune of watching Aftermath, but I've also had the fortune of listening um, to Sportsnet Radio, uh, the Fan 590, and I was inspired because we're doing something here called Wrestling Tinder, um, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> okay. Okay, so much like regular Tinder, if you're interested in the topic, we can swipe right. If you're not interested in the topic, we'll swipe left. Okay, super. So, uh, we touched upon it. Um, online spats to try and build a feud. I will swipe, right? Because that's the direction that uh, people are going now. So, if it does help generate interest, cool. Okay. Is there part of that mystique that's kind of built in, whether it's playing followers and readers and uh, helping to create and use that veil a little bit and trying to hide behind it? Yep. People were like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, oh, now everybody's interested in uh, the Battle of Winnipeg in the Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, thank you much, very much, Jimmy, for your time. Um, again, uh, we do appreciate you. And again, please watch Jimmy on Aftermath uh, every Tuesday at 7.30? Yep, Tuesday at 7.30. Fantastic. Uh, On behalf of Jimmy Corderas, this is Mark Madison for the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with your host, Mark Madison. Once again, please visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. And be sure to download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer.